talk. And welcome to another episode of You Talk Too Much. And we are here at Little District at Sylvia Park. Today I'm with three of my friends. Um, and the topic today is what does it mean to be a man in this day and age? So I'm just going to start off by getting uh, my guests to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about who they are. Dang, okay, me first. Okay, uh, my name is David. Uh, I'm a graduate from LaSalle. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, at the moment, I'm a student studying at University of Auckland, going into environmental engineering. So, yeah, just a little 20 year old. Yeah, that's it, really. <laughs> um, hello, hi, how are you? My name is Oliver. You may call, it, call me Ali if you like. Um, I gradu graduated from LaSalle in 2019 and I'm currently in AET studying towards a Bachelor in Architecture and Future Environments. Um, yeah, I'm Iraqi and I am weird, so get excited. Uh, hi everyone, my name is Sonny, aka Nella. Um, I graduated from Glenfield College uh, on the North Shore, for those of you that don't know. Um, I majored in Social Policy and right now, um, yeah, I'm just happy to be here and on this podcast. So thank you for having me. Awesome, guys. So my first question for you is, yeah, what, were, what do you think were some of the things that defined your childhood, especially when it comes to who you are, who you were as like a boy growing up? What do you think were some of the major and no concerns, if you can call them, about growing up being, you know, becoming who you are today? Oh, damn. Um, <laughs> right with me first. No, that was cool. Uh, yeah. Um, I felt like, maybe for me, I kind of felt like an outcast in a way. Not really. Maybe like a, a half of an outcast. Well, more because... You know, when I popped out of my mom, I popped out with an American accent for some reason. <laughs> I don't know how. You know, the rest of my siblings, they talk like, you know, they're from, you know, South Auckland. And then I just come up sounding all like <laughs> whatever I sound like. So, yeah. Um, no, my childhood was real simple. Uh, I just went to school, studied, hung out with friends. I don't know. There's so much. Uh <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think, I, I feel like I'll talk more once the questions start rolling in, but at the moment I've got nothing to say about me. I'm just cool. Yeah. I love that the most exciting thing about your childhood was the American accent. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> um, yeah, uh, what a, just a fantastic question. <laughs> uh, when I explain my childhood, it's, it's quite depressing. Um, anywho, but it's exciting. Um, I guess I was also an outcast in a way because, um, well, I was, like, throughout my childhood I was struggling with my identity a lot like am I gay am I trans am I bi and being Arab that's not really the norm so I, I was never really able to ask anyone for help so it was very isolating I guess um yeah no friends my family was garbage <laughs> you, the good ones know who they are 
But, um, yeah, I guess it was very isolating for me. Like, I've been in quarantine my whole life, except for the last couple, couple of years. Yeah, so I guess um, my childhood growing up, uh, I was born in New Zealand, as um, your typical Pacific Islander story. I was born in New Zealand and raised in Tonga. Um, I left New Zealand when I was four months, and I was raised in Tonga until I was six. Uh, and I came back to New Zealand and had my seventh birthday here. And I've been here ever since. Um, I go back and forth here to Tonga every now and then when I can. Um, but I guess my, my, my experience as a child is, um, as I said, it's, it's a typical of your everyday Pacific Islander growing up. Um, coming from Tonga, I was a fob, as they call it, you know? So English wasn't my first language and that, that was hard to pick up. And that was probably the biggest thing that um, as you guys said, made me an outcast, you know, especially growing up on the North Shore where it's predominantly a white uh, area um, or demographic. Um, you know, it was hard to, to try fit in, but I guess I spent most of uh, my, my childhood trying to fit in um, and, and trying to make myself be someone else that I wasn't. Um, and it wasn't until I was a bit older and realized that, you know, who I am and my differences culture-wise actually defined who I am and I, and I like that. And then that, that was probably, uh, probably halfway through college. That's when I realized that I didn't need to change myself to, you know, my, the friends that I had, if they really liked me, they'd like me for who I am. And so, yeah, that's probably the one thing that I can pinpoint is that I'm trying to fit in where um, the, the, the predominant demographic told you that you had to be a certain way in order to fit in. So that's one, one experience I can, I can um, elaborate on. Awesome, guys. Thank you for sharing um, what you have so far. Awesome, interesting background music right now. <laughs> it's making me think of Alanis. I don't know if the two young ones will realise who Alanis Morissette is, but yeah, because of the harmonica. Yeah. My next question is, um, were there any strong male role models for you growing up? And if there were, um, what did you learn from them about what it is it means to be a man? <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let's go through a list. Probably the first male role model in my life, definitely my dad, in a way. We're, we're, we're totally different. I'm so different than my dad. But, you know, he just provided, like, uh, just, like, a safe space for me and my family. He, he worked, like, you know, 12 hours a day. Sometimes he worked seven days a week. It's, it's tough, but he gets through it in the end. And at the end of the day, like, he can provide for, for his family and for his people. So I found that really um, encouraging. Um, second name that comes off the top of my head. Uh, I was a big fan of WWE when I grew up. Big fan, John Cena, hands down. <laughs> you know the attitude. That, you don't know John Cena? Oh, bro. Yo, gonna hit you with the attitude adjustment, bro. <laughs> now you know the whole um, Ross, uh, respect, hustle, loyalty. John Cena's been up there uh, teaching me these things. Uh, yeah, I kind of looked up to him. A big fan as a kid. And uh, who else? <laughs> yeah, that's. Mm. 
Um, I mean, I think obviously for me as well, my dad. Um, but then regarding like, I was I I've always been a fan of history and reading. So I always when I look at, look at role models, I always help go my dad. And then the second person that comes to mind for me is like Martin Luther King, and then like the rest are female. But like so for my dad, he like like he got he came to into New Zealand from Iraq with nothing. Like he came in with like twenty bucks in his pocket, and he was able to build on that. And he's like been able to achieve so much. He's like he's done like the impossible for for a refugee who's like had nothing for most of his life. And yeah, like he he works with cars and he works with a lot of really like really bad chemicals that you shouldn't ingest. But he's always but he's like stuck in the garage for most days, and he's almost sixty and he's still doing it. So yeah, considering my mom also has like health issues, the only person that's been able to financially like help my dad is like himself, and I always look up to that. Like, like he and he's never complained a single day in his life. So yeah. What what um, did Martin Luther King teach you? To not let anything stop you from achieving what you dream of. Alright, so um, just to elaborate on my story earlier on. <laughs> yeah, so when I grew up in Tonga, I was um, adopted by my uh, auntie, my mom's sister, and she was the elder sister in the family. And so her husband at the time was uh, a father figure to me. Um, and he's probably been the only role model, a male role model in my life uh, since, since birth, uh, really. Is, um, just because the biggest thing I learned from him was being about what you say, so doing things in action, you know? Um, he, he didn't say very much, but the way he did things, um, if he said he was gonna be somewhere, he'd be there on time, you know? If he said he's gonna do something, he'd do it to the best of his ability. And although uh, he'd never spoke uh, that many words, uh, you know, just the drive and the determination that you see from a certain individual, uh, growing up as a young kid, you know, it's, it still resonates with you to this very day. And um, yeah, for me, He's probably been the only male role model. So my mom's a solo mother. Um, you know, shout out to my mom. If I could, um, I'd replace all the males and should be at the top. So should be my my, my biggest role model. Um, you know, doing it tough. Um, me and my little brother as a solo mother, and um, yeah, I, I'm just grateful to have her in my life. Okay, so I'm just gonna switch up the questioning because you guys are. Yeah, I'm just buzzed out that um, you guys are all here and you guys all have like a unique background. Yeah, so I'm just gonna um, like ask each of you guys different questions based on your different backgrounds. And I hope, just let me know if it's too deep. Um, so Oliver, to you, so I, you mentioned that it was difficult growing up because Iraqi culture does have this idea of masculine sexuality and it's similar to Tongan. How have you navigated that growing up? <laughs> Just take your time. Still, You're going to edit this out. You can make changes. Take your time. Sorry. No. <laughs> sorry, because I have a cousin who's doing like a masculinity series, or, but he's um, not, he's gay. And yeah, so I should have had him here, but I already interviewed him for another topic. <laughs> yes, it's kind of a, a, a twist that, that you've kind of replaced us. <laughs> 
Do you want us to come back to you? Or? No. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go into it. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, so, when it came to, like, my family's idea of masculinity, it was always, like, the, a man seemed to be a robot. So, like, when it was my grandfather's funeral, I was very close to him and I was crying a lot. And my grandma, out of nowhere, like, walked up to me and yelled at me, be a man, stop crying, wipe your tears away, in front of everyone. <laughs> um, which was kind of sad, but I didn't really let that stop me from expressing emotion. And when it came to my family, like, I recently came out, like, 2019, because I was, like, student rep in my school, and I was like, if I'm going to lead by example, I need to lead by example. So I'm going to come out for the boys and for myself. Um, so when I did come out, my family was very much, well, I say family, it was my parents. My dad, the first thing I saw when I said I'm gay, my dad was like, cool, you're going to burn in hell. And if you don't change your ways, like, you're going to go down a really bad path. And he even said, which is so ironic, you're a school leader, you should lead by example. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then... Um, yeah, so, like, my, f I, I feel shame when I cry in my ha own house, because Iraqi perspective is if you cry, you are weak, you're small, you're puny, but for me, I don't really care about that, but then I still feel that in a shame, so I never, like, yeah, if I need to have a good cry, I go in my car. <laughs> Everyone needs a good cry. <laughs> Or you mm -hmm. need this car in the aux cord. Exactly. You know, you're good to go. You can just scream and just <laughs> let it all out. Um, I feel like there's another half of the question. Just no, I think, yeah, I think you kind of like uh, by going to the car. Yeah. So that adds to my navigation. So as I so once I came out, I that I took that as okay. For the rest of your life, you keep it a secret, you keep it away from them. Well, not a secret, you keep it a secret from them. But you live your life to, the, to your fullest. So, in school, I happily was out to the boys. I started an LGBT support group. I got all the boys to wear rainbow ribbons to show support. And I was like, and my dad always saw that ribbon when I wore my uniform. And I'm like, you, you may disagree, but I don't really care. Mm. <laughs> mm. So, yeah. That's about it. And my mom was very like, um, like, like my sister's bi. So she came to me and she was like, um, your sister's gay and she's disgusting, but I love her. And then she walked away. And I was like, okay, lovely. <laughs> I think it, like, um, it's, it's kind of like an education, right? And I think, I mean, with my family, we talk about like, it's often like we're taught it's top down with culture like we're conservative culture like the parents teach the kids but sometimes the kids teach the parents how to you know mm, that's really not us no 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 <laughs> I'm saying that, that it's like us too it's top down in our culture as well but you know like often because they're not exposed to that growing up yeah I mean I kind of understand that because, I mean, my parents lived in a dictatorship, so they were being brainwashed non-stop. 
about so my dad was brainwashed about what 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 he, what he needs to do what he is going to do he wasn't he didn't really have anything like planned out for his life yeah like so in Iraq if once you finish high school you go straight into uni and then once it is like a requirement to get a bachelor degree and then you are forced to go into the military mm. so yeah what's the point of getting a bachelor degree so, like but my dad was like one of the lucky ones because he was like high up in the war office in Iraq so he was not fighting at all but he had a lot of paperwork and he was like he was controlling troops and that sort of thing kind of like a general but not a general like slightly higher up so I mean that's also his mindset to me very military wise very like do this and I'm like, and I have to say yes but if I disagree I'm not really scared to say no yeah. that's also another way I navigated I found my voice so yeah. 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 Oh, that's amazing. Do you have anything else you want to add to it? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was really, really, and oh my gosh, just amazing, just hearing those stories. Um, David, my question to you is: you are the oldest of um, your a bunch of brothers. You have a sister, I know. Um, that, can I say your last name? Yeah, like the Hanson, and that makes you think of Hansons. In my time, do you have you heard the Hansons? No. Oh my gosh, you don't know who the Hansons? You mean the band? Yeah. Bebop? <laughs> You're so young. <laughs> oh my gosh, the Hansons are the best. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, you guys are babies. No, they were the bomb. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah. How do you does that add to what? Like, how does that add to? I don't know. The, I'm gonna use the word again. Issues of being, you know, a man, being the eldest of mm. a bunch of brothers. Hmm. Well, I'm just going to bring it back to when we talked about our male role models, and I mentioned John Cena. To be honest, I just said that because I was just the first male that popped in my head. If if I was just to name one, it would be my dad, and then that list ends right there. I just said John Cena because I felt like I had to say it. <laughs> but yeah, and that goes to show that when it came to like being the oldest of three brothers, I felt like I wasn't a male role model for, a male role model for them because, I mean, one time I was, uh, how was I? I was, I was 15, I think. I remember I was talking to my brother, my brothers, and he, one of them said, I won't say which one, but one of them said, "Damn, I wish I had an older brother." And then I'm like, I'm, "What about me?" And he says, oh, "Oh, I mean, like an older brother, like," and he kind of described what a cool older brother would be like, and I was like, "Oh." Yeah, so I, <laughs> you know, I can't, yeah. And y'all are just laughing at me right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah, so, so personally, what I felt was like, man, I'm not being, well, I didn't think about it. I mean, I did think about it, but I'm saying it, I'm speaking on how I see it now. I see it now as if I wasn't a role model for them. They didn't look up to me. They were just like, man, I wish I had a better brother. That's why. Maybe I could have done something better, something to be like, yeah, you know, man of the house type thing, but I never had that reputation in my uh, household. I don't know, I guess I was just, um, I think that's what I, uh, it's adding on to me. Well, when I say we all mentioned they were all outcasts in different ways, so I think that adds on to me being outcast. I wasn't really the man or the older brother, I was just an outcast speech marks. Um, <laughs> I think I'm lost in this convo now. Can what I was the question? Something? Yeah. <laughs> so I studied with his brothers in school, and one of him, one of his brothers, was in my homeroom 
for like a good four years. Um, and I can tell they did look up to you because because they like a lot of the characteristics was you, which is why I got along with them because I was like, you're literally David. <laughs> yeah, like, like, yeah, like, like, yes, you're much shorter, <laughs> but you are. And uh, like, I think it's cool because like, 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 like you can tell they're a whole family, but they're different to the point where it's, they mold together perfectly. Yeah, so, yeah. Thing, yeah. So you may think you're not make, you're, you're not doing a difference, but you really are. He's played a major part, I think. Yeah. Mm. Well, not thanks for that. That kind of <laughs> brings you up a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I kind of understand because I'm the second oldest in my family, but I'm physically this one of the smaller ones. Even though there's like um, seven of us now, because my parents adopted a baby. But um, yeah, like people are like my sister's gonna get married, and then people are saying, "Oh, now all of you are married now," and then they're like, "No, there's still her." Like I, I'm just that much of a a kind of anomaly in the family yeah. that they forget all the like, so yeah we're all I guess we're all here because we share the commonness of being out of the box <laughs> you three more so than me oh excuse me <laughs> you just shared that you are okay um, so um, my question for you Sonia is you have a son now and how and um, what yeah, what thoughts and feelings do you have about bringing up a son, considering that you know you have your kind of own um, interesting background with, um, yeah, your male role models and stuff like that. Sweet. So thanks for throwing me in the deep end. Um, yeah, I guess with me um, as a first-time father, the biggest thing that that I can talk about it or, or point to is. I know what my, what, like, I'm not bagging my dad or anything, but I know that um, when my father was absent, um, I know what I needed from, from the being absent, if you, if you get what I mean. So everything that I needed when, um, when it wasn't there, I, that, that's what I feel like I need to do um, for my son right now. So everything that I do right now is um, life's changed. So that's the first thing I need to go. Life's changed and my perspective on life has changed since um, he was born. You know, everything that I think about now is no longer just considering myself. You know, I've got another human being that I'm literally responsible for. And so, it's, it's, even though it's been um, a tough journey, uh, I wouldn't change anything about it. So, for me, having a son has probably changed me um, for the better, uh, just in terms of making decisions um, and progressing. So, yeah, to answer the question, uh, I know what I want my son to see in me is just because I know what wasn't there when I was growing up. So that's just the, the simplest way that I can put it. Um, my next question is, um, what do you think are some of the major issues that a lot of men have? <laughs> I'm just bringing you guys on different ones. What do you think are some of the major issues that men have uh, like in this day and age? like? considering you know you all have your own different backgrounds as men but what do you think are some of the commonalities that a lot of men struggle with
I say this, I'm not saying I speak for everyone, but I think it's pretty common when I think of manhood. I think of, you know, Hercules. Uh, I think of uh, The Rock, you know? <laughs> Someone that's like uh, physically strong and, you know, uh, and can dominate, I guess. Um, was that the question? Yeah, but it's like, like what's the issues, the major issues that, oh, yeah. uh, that men, despite their, you know, their different backgrounds have in common um, now and now, now modern men? Yeah, and I think that's the issue that we think all men are dominant, because, I mean, okay, let's, uh, let's think about animals. Uh, in animals, most female animals are, what? I can't, I can't think of an animal. Like most birds, the male is usually brighter, more colorful, but then the female is more dull and gray. I don't know. Yeah. I heard of it. Okay. I think, I think also another animal example was, uh, it was, uh, what was it? The elephant seal. It was the elephant seal. So often what male elephant seals would do is they fight each other for like, for females, right, you know? Like, like I like this girl. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. It's scary to watch. Yeah, like, man, I like this girl and the other ones, but I like her. So they fight over it. Whoever wins gets the girl, right? Yeah. That's whoever's dominant, whoever's stronger, wins the fight, can get the food for them. And almost thinking, that's just, that's just a natural way of thinking for, like, all living things, really. And that's how we think as well sometimes. Well, back in the day, maybe the oldest person would be the best man of the house. But, you know, uh, also, over time, we've all developed our brains and stuff. I mean, it's 2021 now. And to hold that same animalistic thinking to now is a bit odd. Like, seeing how much we've developed, it would be also good to develop what the definition of manhood is. So, what could that be? Um, I think it would be different for everyone. For me, I think... Uh, hmm. I think it was a quote by, uh, what's his name? Lewis Ho, Lewis Howes. His quote was, uh, masculinity is discovering yourself and owning what you find. So being dis uh, unashamed, this is what I'm wearing on my jersey, uh, sin vergüenza, which means unashamed in Spanish, uh, being unashamed in like your identity and who you are and what you believe in really. So I think that could be my definition of what a man is, what I've been trying to live by, I guess. Yeah. So, um, just touching base on what David was saying, um, I have two points um, in terms of you know um, issues that we may face as um, as men or as males. Um, for me, the first thing that I can definitely speak upon is that in today's age and society, it's they've it's not so much media, but just society itself. They've caused us to suppress um, our feelings or our real inner thoughts, like. Um, I remember doing an interview once after a finals match and it was televised so um, they asked me how I felt we lost by the way <laughs> so they asked me straight after the game how I felt and I really wanted to say like I felt like crap but in a more derogative term but <laughs> and you know but just thinking about the way society or you know media would portray what I said um, you know then you fall back to your generic answers like, oh you know um, uh, kudos to the other team they played well you know and and it's not really what I and, and that's the first thing that came to mind when she asked the question is that you know I had to suppress what I really wanted to say but it's because I was afraid of what everyone else would say you know and and I feel like things such as this as a podcast is giving us the narrative just to say what we want to say and whoever listens to it well then you know who cares you listen to it you listen to it. if you don't like it don't you know so I feel like this is empowering us to just um 
like you said, by definition, I think masculinity is certain behaviors that betrays a man, you know, so things such as your manhood or how manliness you are. So um, feelings and emotions are definitely not counted there. So, you know, that, that almost makes us robots, like you were saying before, you know, uh, males in, in his country um, are portrayed as robots because they just go about their emotions every day. They don't really have a voice to speak about things. And that's what I feel like as well. Yeah, is that, it's a Tongan thing yeah, too. So that's why I touch base. And I know that he's going to touch base on it more is because um, when he said that, I was like, yeah, that's, you know, growing up, that's exactly how I felt is that uh, in Tongan society, you're not successful unless you have a, um, a bachelor's, you know, unless you've gone to school. And even if you have a, um, a doctorate, like it could be in anything, they'll just call you a doctor. And you know, the, the first thing they refer to you as is not your name, is oh, he's a doctor. But you could be a doctor in anthropology or whatever, but oh, he's a doctor. And they just refer to you as someone, a doctor in medicine. All right. But so in our society, that's how they look upon people as generals. But as males, I feel like they, they really taught us how to dim down how we really feel and, 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 and you know, kind of dim down our light and what we really want to say to people. And it's not just our own people or your people, it's just everyone in general. Because if we were to say what we really wanted to say, you know, would have heaps of enemies or whatever, you know, no one would listen to what we say because, you know, it's going against the grain. Um, but yeah, I just felt like you'd be able to touch more base on that, and that's a, that's my answer. So that's, those are my two things. That our, our definition of masculinity needs to change. Um, it's because I know some of the best role models um, in, in the sports arenas that I know are people that are emotional and, and really talk about their feelings. You know, it's not one, it's not until they being able to talk about their emotions or overcome certain points in their life where they figure like I need to talk about this more that's when their career has taken off and I can I can point to a couple who I've listened to and talked to um, but I just feel like that's by definition masculinity um, it tells us that feelings and emotions need to be taken or otherwise you're not masculine or otherwise you're not a man but I think that we need to change the narrative and make sure that feelings and emotions matter um, I might sound a bit feminine, but I, yeah. So to me, like when you talk about your, your emotions, um, you're really talking about how you really feel. And that, that's, that's to me what really matters is that what you really know and feel inside. Sorry about blabbering. But yeah, <laughs> on to you, Oliver. What was the question again? <laughs> I know that you guys all come from different backgrounds. Um, but what do you think are common issues that men have in spite of their different, you know, um, life experiences? Okay, so, um, hmm. well, you already said what I, what I was already going to say. <laughs> but, like, um, the weird thing is, the thing that came to my mind was, um, when I, when I fr like, my love for whiskey. So, that originated from my dad. And... The weird thing is, when I told my dad, oh, whiskey's really good, he's like, yes, I prefer you from dr you drinking whiskey than tea. Because I love drinking, like, tea, or I say chai. So when, when I heard that, I was like, hmm, does that mean my dad has been judging me based on what I've been drinking? <laughs> and then that's when, and then, like, from that was when I was, like, when I was young, when I was, like, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, like, 16, <laughs> 17 years old. And, like, um... So that from that point on, my definition of masculinity has always been changing. But like, um, 
I guess for guys, like it's funny because we all said, <laughs> we all said um, our dads are our are our like um, role models, yeah. But like, um, it's our dads that are the ones that are like dictating almost what we do, and like it's crazy because according to my dad, I should be silent every second of my life I should be sat in my room like either studying or at work if I was to hang out with friends I need to be the friends need to all be straight and not a single female if there's a female I have to get married to her and that's it I just want to add like in Tonga if, if a boy and a girl are hanging out together everyone's like oh they're boyfriend and girlfriend <laughs> that's why there's a re- this like gender segregation in Tonga which is why us born in New Zealand we're like just going out with anybody and it's like oh there's a slut yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. My, every time I tell my parents I want to go hang out with friends they always have this look of worry like he's going to go out and sin and I'm like, yes. What? I think that's it. Like for me, the thing that I struggle with is that I've, that I struggle with when it comes to defining masculinity and like. What we, gr- what we struggle with growing up is the expectations of our fathers because they have been brought up in such conservative ideologies that, like, for them, that's the ideal man. But for us, it's different. But I'm the type where if I disagree, I will tell you that I disagree. And I don't care who you are, I'll tell you that I disagree. Like, if my dad was to do- say something stupid, I'll tell him, that was stupid, you shouldn't have done that. I think that makes you very masculine. <laughs> but then again, what's masculinity? You know, like masculine is like being strong in who you are, right? Because you're a man. <laughs> I mean, it's taken a while for me to develop my persona when it comes to that. I used to always be very scared to, to speak my mind, but now I don't care. Like, I'm very honest. If someone told me, do I look ugly? And if they do, I'll tell them, you look hideous. Okay, maybe not. Like, yeah, but, like, that comes to a certain degree where if my dad was to do something stupid, I'll tell him he did something stupid. But had it been the other way around, if my dad's dad did something dumb, my dad would not be t- would not tell him anything. He would be scared, terrified. He would, he would just see that as, oh, that was the right thing to do. It's just making me think, and I'm, I'm giving... An outsider's view, obviously, because I am a woman. <laughs> um, that it's almost like, because we because we come from a conservative culture too, um, is that f- a great deal of um, traditional masculinity is based in fear. There's a lot of fear, you know, because it's kind of like you can't be do what you want; you have to conform, and that can cause a lot of because I think um, one difference we have in Tongan culture is that um, we do have a sense of um, there is um, leadership for female leadership isn't is is quite acceptable and so it often happens with Tongan cultures that it's acceptable to be outspoken if you're a woman but men it's weird 
<laughs> so I don't know if it's similar in your culture, but um, yeah. For us, it's the other way around. If like if you're a woman, you need to shut up and conform. <laughs> but if it's a guy that disagrees, then then listen to them. They are God. Like my dad literally says, like I am. If like first, my dad literally said this to my family. Like first, it's God, then it's Jesus, then it's me, to all of us. But he was so. But he wasn't saying it as a joke. Like, yeah, and he said, but there's some parts that I agree where he's like, like your dad is your foundation to your family. You don't ever let go of your dad, even if he's wrong. You like Tom, he's wrong, but like, uh, uh, he's your dad. And I know that for a fact for my family. If he was to ever leave, like, my parents have had numerous fights. And my dad's actually packed his bags once. <laughs> well, twice, three times. So he he was, like, I know that if he was to leave, we'd, we'd be done for. That's a real um, mature understanding, you know, because often... I don't know. I just don't know if I'll come to the same conclusion. My dad's mum, okay, my dad knows. My mum wears the pants in the house. Um, yeah, and yeah, I guess my next question is, I don't know, Oliver, if it's the same in your community, but a lot of um, Pacifica communities, the males um, struggle with mental illness. Like they're the ones that are higher in stats than the females there are, especially in our youth. Um, why do you, do you have any ideas or any thoughts about that? I'll just start this way around because you always start that way around Sonny you can start thank you yeah so just touching base on on the question it was about um, the males have the higher number yeah, uh, in terms the, of stats the, the mental illness yeah so I, I guess I'll just touch base on uh, my point earlier on it's just that with society telling us males that you know to be masculine is to keep your emotions inside keep your feelings hidden you know just be generic and and go about your business you know you, you lead by example your actions um, being masculine is you know um, what's it, being dominant you know so that's the biggest thing for me so uh, the way I see it is that um, I've grown up in an area where a couple of Pacifica boys have um, taken their lives you know and like although it's quite a touchy subject to, to, to speak about you know but at first I always had heaps of sympathy for those people you know um, but I've gotten to a point where I, I asked Neil this question earlier on today is that, that do you think that we glorify um, suicide yeah, yeah self-harm um, in a way that boys that are going through that they look at it and be like man I want that type of love you know because uh, we, we've just had a situation where uh, a month ago uh, one of our younger boys have, you know, um, self-harmed and, and he's passed. And then that same uh, funeral, one of the other boys have um, started speaking about, you know, uh, oh, like, look at everyone here. Like, you know, he starts seeing that as a, everyone's here to show him love. That's the kind of love I want for me. And so you just see where their, their, their train of thought is. And I just think it's because we're, we're taught from a young age to suppress our feelings and our emotions because that's what um, being a man is, you know. Whether you're feeling hurt or, or whatever it is, kind of feelings and emotions you have, you have to just keep it inside and go about your daily job, go about your business, you know, go to training, pretend like everything's okay. If something's going on at home, like you said, you have to just put it aside and go go to school and, and, and just be be who you are. Yeah. And so to me, that that's probably the biggest thing that I can touch on is that 
Um, from my point of view, that's that's the biggest problem is that from a young age we're taught to suppress our feelings. Yeah, can I just add to that? Is because as men you guys are taught to be providers and you're not taught to say that you need things. Like that boy could just say, I need, you know, to his family, like I just need to know that you guys care about me rather than I, I, I can't. I can't tell you what I need, um, so I'm just gonna do the most extreme action, even though I won't be here yeah. to. Yeah, that's okay. I've forgotten the question again. Mental, the oh yeah, the mental illness thing. Yeah, okay. I have a lot to talk about with this. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I um, don't know. I mean, we do. That's why. <laughs> um. So I've got a couple. Of, a couple things to talk about with this so my dad he inherited depression and anxiety from his dad and I inherited it through my dad like it, it runs in our blood to be full of anxiety my grandpa died of anxiety that's it like that's what it says on this birth certificate um, which is um, heartbreaking <laughs> imagine that as your way of dying anxiety like non-stop stressing out um, and even for me, like, um, I've been diagnosed with stress-induced headaches. I, the last time my, I never had a headache was about f six years ago. This was back when I was a child. So, I mean, I have a headache right now. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, no, like, but like, I don't remember the last time my head was clear. Like, so for me the normal life is being stressed every second of your life. And I guess that was inherited from my dad because he's always stressing about everything. Like, and it's sad that I had to get to this age to understand that he's been stressing this his entire life. And one day it will kill him like it killed his father. And it breaks my heart to say that, but that's the truth. And I know it will kill me one day. Which is why I don't want to have kids from in my own blood. Cause I don't want... Uh, this is something I promised myself. I'm not gonna have kids in my own blood. I want to adopt kids because I don't want to. I don't want a chance of them getting depression and anxiety because of my stupid genes. <laughs> oh I mean, yeah. Yeah, I come from a family with similar issues. So, sorry if I'm acting like it's something that is light hearted to talk about, but. I think the laughing is you understanding, which is why I don't yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. Had I had an issue with it, I would have told you. So, <laughs> um, and then when it came to the boys in the school, so I was in our student rep, I was in the board of trustees, and I was very, very close with our mental health sector. Um, David knows about them, maybe. No, yes, yes. Like our psychologist, all of them resigned because it's so difficult to have all of these boys on their shoulders. And it came to a point where, like, like when they went into the, into the Board of Trustees to talk to them, I was on completely 100% on their side, and it was my agenda to get us another psychologist to help with the mental health in our school. And what pisses me off is that it was never a priority in these, people's, in these white people's minds. They didn't understand. Our principal never knew that we had issues with bullying when it came to the gay community. And there's been this rape culture in our school for years, and he never opened his eyes. That is heartbreaking by itself. So the fact that I did not let these people like be alone. So 
me being the student voice, I told the board of trustees, you need to pull your act together because, and then I started crying in front of them because I told them, my, me, for me to know that I was a failure is if a boy commits suicide. So if that happens to me in this school, I will know that I have failed these people. So you, and then the next, the, and then their excuse was, oh, you don't have any money. But then the next, our next meeting, they're like, oh, yay, congratulations, we are finally going to get another psychologist. I'm like, about time. Um, yeah. And then, but like, when, so when I went to see our psychologist, I saw her every day. Like, with my mental health, I, that's what I needed. And it, br- it brought me peace to see these boys in the, in the, I mean, that sounds awful. But I was like, I'm happy these guys feel feel like they're able to express their emotions because I know their culture and they're not allowed to do that. So it made me happy to see them. Yes, they might have been there for the lunch. <laughs> but you know what? Even that's a good thing. They didn't feel shame to ask for food. I know some of these boys feel shamed if they're hungry and they, and they ask for food. So I was like, oh, I was so happy to tell them we're going to get another psychologist. We're gonna, I'm going to help you guys. And yeah, I mean, mental health is always really difficult, which is why I'm rambling. I just want to thank you, Olaf, for sharing. Yeah, mental health is an issue that's very dear to my heart, only, not only because of my family background, but because I think it's so instrumental to just society, you know, um, and a society that may be flourishing on the outside, but everyone's deranged in their minds, is not a healthy, is not a successful society. So mental health for me is one of the reasons why I've started this podcast. Um, because it's just some way I feel like I can tackle the issue in a most effective way, especially considering the youth of today. Because, um, yeah, I think, you know, social media and media itself is very powerful for our, our youth. So that's part of the reason why I started my podcast. Uh, David, yeah, your, your thoughts, please. Yeah, uh, I'll bring up an example. Do you guys know who Mac Miller is? Right? Maybe. Mac, oh, he's a rapper anyway. I think... Uh, he, o- he OD'd quite some time ago, but okay. Um, mm, been some time. Did he go with a famous lady? Yeah. You told her Grande, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm old. <laughs> Lucky I knew that. I'm not old, I'm just on the upper age of the younger. Well, anyways, uh, before Mac Miller passed away, I've never met a Mac Miller fan. Have you guys? Maybe you guys, maybe one or two. I've never met a Mac, I've never met a Mac Miller fan. Mm, right? And then, right. And then, <laughs> as soon as he passed away, literally, his album blows up all the charts. Everyone on Twitter is saying, oh, Mac Miller, you are my role model. I can't believe you're gone. Like, you know, why didn't you say those things when he was there, you know? We're not really, well, I don't know if this was a manly thing, but we're not really taught to, you know, um, appreciate to like say man you know what you're amazing i love what you do i don't say you know i i I don't do that to myself uh i don't do that myself personally but maybe if almost i don't know why he uh passed away i don't know his mindset at the time but maybe if we gave him that little bit of appreciation but i don't know maybe things would have been different so i actually uh (laughs) yeah 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 so i think i would encourage everyone to Whenever you see someone, like, okay, you ever see, like, you're on the train station, you see somebody with some, like, cool kicks, you know, got them fresh Jordans, but you don't say it, right? 
you know, I think next time you have that positive thought in your brain, you should immediately tell them. Because I think it's important to just up everyone up altogether. Yeah. It, and it's not less manly to, to just... Um, humble down uh, to just humble down and bring someone up above you. That's that would be manly itself. Uh, I like your Mickey Mouse top, you know. <laughs> yeah, <it's not laughs> so your, your G-Shock watch, I love it. Your laptop, it can be improved, <laughs> but it's great. <laughs> you know, I I just want to. Sorry, guys, I was just complaining about my laptop because it's pretty um basic. Yeah, someone sponsor me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think it's important that we share these positive messages around with our community. Like yeah, I I mean I don't mean to say this to uh, to make myself look cool, but like so I was suit shopping today for my for my sister's wedding, and I I went to all these different shops and this one um, worker went out of his way completely to help me out, and he helped me for like a solid half an hour and I didn't end up buying the suit from him, <laughs> but after I got a, my suit I I went like he was on the other side of the mall but I didn't mind walking all the way there just to say thank you for his service, I just want I just wanted to shout like. Like when I saw him, I was like, I want to let you know, like I really appreciate your help. Like, I, it, despite me not buying it from here, I really do thank you for going out of your way for me. Like, just know you're appreciated. And y- yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like there. I mean, there are. You know. Um, I think what I've always because most a lot of my um, friends are, who are guys are gay because I feel like um, like the. Yeah, I feel like because guys who you know are from the homosexual community they are strong in who they are because they've been through the struggle whereas I feel like straight guys are consistently trying to conform to what they think they should be so it's almost yeah I mean that might be controversial I've just pointed out Um, I disagree (laughs) (laughs) I think straight guys go through the same stuff as as homosexuals but like it just depends on your experience like yeah, a lot of my friends are straight, and I know what they're going through is also hard because they have a whole bunch of expectations, like, like, yeah, like, stereotypically the homosexual experience seems more hard, more challenging, but I think also like the expectations of a straight person is still really hard, and also we can't forget like people who are down low, or like people who are too scared to come out because they think that's going to um, impact their masculinity. They don't want to lose their friends or, or family or like they don't want people to look at them, at them differently. So, yeah, I think it's... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, but I mean, yeah, so, um, yeah, that's interesting. Thank you for sharing, for educating me, Oliver. That's the whole point of these podcasts is also to... No one's an expert or trying to you're all learners and teachers uh, my last question for you to end us off because this has been really interesting is um yeah w- what's your closing remarks on what you think um individually what makes you like mas- a man what makes you what's what's masculinity for what's your definition of masculinity definition of masculinity mm, for me Um, yeah just to bring back what I said before uh, masculinity might have been might have been something you know maybe feel like physically strong but now I think it's being mentally strong and being confident in um, in who you are Um, 
uh, being humble as well. Uh, picking someone up doesn't mean you're bringing yourself down. You know, we all run this uh, race together. We should just, you know, constantly appreciate everyone. And I don't know. It's it's real broad. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's alright. Hmm. Um, who cares? <laughs> you are who you are. If you wanna, if you wanna do something, do it. If it seems emasculine, um, who cares? You're you are the one that's holding yourself down. Don't do that, because if you're gonna do that, then are you a man? Period. Period. <laughs> so, yeah, I for me, I've like honestly like stopped trying to realize what a man is, because for me, a man is a man. Yeah, so um, it's just funny to hear both definitions. Yeah, just because it's completely opposite to what's being defined as masculine. But I, I couldn't agree with both of them like more. You know, it's the 150% is because every um, characteristic that David brought up is about bringing yourself down. And that's not what being masculine is about. You know, masculinity is about... Uh, being handsome, chiseled, muscles, you know, yeah, being dominant. It's like, like, like we said before, but that's what I was saying before. Like right now, we need to change the narrative of what masculinity means. Um, if we, if we want to see these upcoming generations really prosper and who, who, who they want to be, you know, it took us an age to find out what our, you know, you fought with your identity. Um, we, we felt as outcasts, but you know, as having a son myself, I want to teach him from a young age that it's okay to be who you are, you know? And I guess for me, um, just one little thing I want to touch on. I, th I know I'm going to drag this on, but it's just funny how you said that you, uh, in mum and dad's relationship, dad likes to think he wears the, uh, the pants, but you know, uh, your mum really does. So one thing. No, dad knows he doesn't. <laughs> dad knows you've been in my family, boy. You know who, you know my mum puts everyone in her place. What are you talking about? I got your dad, David. <laughs> I, got, I got your back, David. Um, but yeah, so it's just funny because the first thought that came to me is that the first thing I want to portray to my boys when I go out is that, yeah, like I wear the pants in, in the relationship when really, like if I was truthfully honest, it's either my wife wears the pants or it's a 50-50 most times. And so, you know, just just the train of thought about um, how we portray ourselves to our friends, you know, and like now that I'm speaking about it, I need to change that because even though it's a joke, you know, to go out to the boys and be like, nah, I wear the pants, you know, and they know I'm joking, but that's where we need to start when you're making those changes. Like David was saying, if you want, um, if you have something nice to say about something, like go, go about and say it. So to me, um, it's been very interesting today, and I've learned a lot of new things um, just in terms of progressing forward um, and in terms of what being masculine means. So thank you very much, guys. I guess I just want to, obviously, know from an uh, outsider's perspective, I think what I've learned from you guys today is that being a man is being honest. Yeah. It's being honest. All of us said, you know, he couldn't, like, yeah, finger cooks, guys. No, um, like, all of us spoke, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't do what he's doing at school and not do it in his own life and um, you know you guys have all spoken about like to me masculinity is like you say and your actions follow and it's as simple as that and um, and I love Oliver what you said about it's nobody but you like self responsibility like it's like yeah how y y you know you can't blame other people for keeping you down if you let them 
and I believe that like that's the most powerful thing that you can be in this life so yeah I just want to thank you for your time um our podcast has been very interesting we could talk forever and ever but I guess um you know you guys have to go off and do your washing and some of you guys do adulting and the rest of you guys go back to Facebook and do TikToks. So um, we'll just end it there. I just want to thank my guests so much and um, tune in for our next episode of You Talk Too Much. Talk. Talk.